Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Today we're beginning our Christmas series, as you heard, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from the Old Testament which came as great news to a group of people who had experienced a lot of pain. After years of pain, they got some really good news. So we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9. And this passage was written to the Israelites, uh, people of God living in the far northern part of the land and of the land of Israel. So at the far north, there's these different regions, and I'll explain that in a moment. But for this group of people... uh, Life was not going well, and so any good news would have been welcomed to the people in the north uh, of Israel. And the same is true of us. Uh, We live in a day and age where there's a lot of bad news. There's a lot of doom and gloom. And it seems like even in 2017, we've had our fair share of doom and gloom throughout this uh, world, our, our country, our state, our city, uh, some of our families. There's just been a lot of challenge. And uh, when you read the headlines, there's no shortage of that. Uh, this past week, I was sitting down on a Wednesday night. I wanted to unwind, and I decided to read the news. I should have known better. <laughs> and here's what it was. Here's a picture of what I, I, uh, I saw in the news. That. It's just kind of doom and gloom. Everything about the news that I was reading. And I can't really find a good time to read the news anymore. Uh, I... I I don't want to start my day with the news because whatever I start my day with sets the tone for the day. And I don't want to let the news dictate my day in that way. I don't want to... It's also not a good way to end my day because then I've got these stories lodged into my mind and I have a hard time going to sleep and getting ready for bed. But anyway, on on Wednesday I decided I was going to read the news. So I was flipping through the Press Enterprise app that I have on my phone to read our local paper. And it just went from bad to worse. To the point to where my, I was just getting sick to my stomach, and I was like reading some of the things to my wife, and I'm just like, it's just bad right now. It was, it was, you know, there's all the criminal leaks going on in the government. There's the gridlock with the government. There's intercontinental ballistic missile launch in, in North Korea, stirring international tension. There's more and more charges coming out about famous people that have had misconduct in their, in their lives and, and impacting people, and there's violent crimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, let me find a happy section. So, oh no, this is not a happy section yet. You know, violent crimes against strangers, violent crimes against family members. Okay, let's look, keep going. Road rage, on and on and on. I'm like, please, something positive. And finally, the sports section. <laughs> All the good news was in the sports section. And I'm like, and I actually stopped and I thought about, that is so interesting, you know. For, for, for us, you know, in the sports section, we kind of check out. The, you know, there was a, a few other good news things, you know. But one of the things that were, they were highlighting was this, was Vince Scully turned 90. I was like, thank the Lord, you know, it's a good day. He's lived a very full life and, uh, you know, famous broadcaster for the Dodgers. Another piece of good news that I finally found in the paper was the weather. The weather was, like, pleasant, you know. Pleasant weather. There's Mount Rubidoux, and it's like we're going to have, you know, a streak of some good weather. And and, uh, another thing I saw in the sports section was the King Marching Band, our local uh, high school, you know, is going to the Fiesta Bowl to play. And I was like, oh, great. I feel a little bit better. How, How do you snap out of the gloom, though? 
how, how do you snap out of the gloom when you're when you're in it and when you're just being hit with it? How, how do you what do you do to get out of that? You know, what if the paper doesn't turn happy? Because it's pretty it's pretty gloomy these days, and everyone's trying to cheer us up, right? Especially at Christmas, people want us to get into the season. So here's you know companies doing marketing. Here's Coca Cola's uh, attempt to brighten our day and and uh, explore the many ways to spread happiness with Coca Cola this season, this holiday season. Have you done that yet? Has Coke brightened your day? Brighten your season? Sometimes it does, doesn't it? <laughs> Unless you're a Pepsi fan, you know. But we, we all want happiness, and we, want, we hope to spread that around. And everyone's trying to get in on, on this. Here's McDonald's attempt. McDonald's, thank goodness, they've, they've pr- produced some irresistible flavors. It says this. With our exciting range, discover the world of irresistible flavors with our exciting range of delicious beverages and f- indulgent treats. Full of those little somethings that help brighten your day. So, I want, I want my day brighter, but I don't know if I can trust the little somethings. <laughs> I don't know what they are. Are you talking about the little nuggets? Like, what, what, what exactly is that? So sometimes I'm better off turning you know, music on. And so, I don't know, some of you probably do that. Try to brighten your day from the, the gloom and the doom. But then styles are changing. There's new songs. Sometimes it's hard to get into new Christmas carols and, or new Christmas songs. Uh, in the past, uh, something that I would say it's, it's you know, something of the past is, is painting. So I've got some paintings here. And we're, we're starting a series called Painting a Bright Future. And there is, let's, let's move away from this and we'll go to the painting we're going to lower the lights here. In the past, people, this was a major, you know, primary form of art was the visual art, paintings. And paintings provide a picture of the future. It gives us a glimpse of something we hope to experience or, or and sometimes it, it doesn't do that, but it can offer us some hope. And so what, what, is this, what does this painting do for you? This is Van Gogh's Starry Night, very famous painting. And for me, I look at this and I'm like, man, if I, I, if I could own this painting, which none of us could own this painting, you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe we can get a print of this painting, but g- g- give me some coffee and set me down in my recliner. And this is a very peaceful, relaxing painting to look at. It, it, it is, it, I don't, where does it draw your eye? The sky. It's able to, to, you know, for some, paintings can just lift the gloom. Here's another painting. This is a painting called A Sunday Afternoon. You may have seen this before. Another famous painting. Lazy Sunday afternoon, shade trees, water's edge. You know, maybe this is what you, maybe you look at this and you think, this is what I'm going to do today. Beautiful day. I'm going to go to the water's edge. I'm going to head out to Fairmont Park with my umbrella. I'm going to visit with my neighbors. <laughs> Find a shade tree. <laughs> uh, here's another one. This is another Van Gogh. That's nice, huh? What does that do for you? Uh, you know, kind of like a fun night out. Lights, the whole evening ambiance really appeals to us. Maybe this will snap you out of the doom and gloom. Just to, 
to have an experience like this. A painting can do this. That's, that's where I want to be. I want, I want, I want, a, I want a little piece of that. That just sounds like a lot of fun. This, this actually takes me to Disneyland for some reason. I feel like I'm in Disneyland. Here's another one from Renoir. This, I can't say the, the French name. Some of you might be able to, but I'm not going to try. Uh, but it means, it translates pastry chef. Anyway, <laughs> I can't make that connection, but it's a vivid description of, of city life. You know, people are dancing again, like, you know, makes us want to just head downtown just tonight, you know, and just put on your top hat and, and you know, visit with people downtown. Here's another one. This is Monet. This is painting called Water Lilies, based on his own flower garden. Anybody enjoy this? Mm. <laughs> Meh. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. What, what, what are some of the emotions, the feelings, the thoughts? Peace. Peace. That's right. Here, here's my favorite type of painting. This is not a photograph. This is a painting. What is this? Big Sur. That's right. This is Big Sur. The ocean, the cliffs, the beauty, the power of the waves. I mean, just ocean paintings have always captured my attention. Uh, you guys can bring the lights up. Thanks for pulling those down for us. I've never purchased a nice painting. Some of you probably have. Um, I got very close one time. I was on a vacation couple times, actually. And I got to the sales room, sitting across the table with the guy, and it's like, uh, should we do this? I'm, I'm bad in those situations, because I'm under pressure, and I have a hard time saying no under pressure like that. But this, there, was a, there was an ocean painting that just captured my eye, and I just was like, I got to have that in my bedroom, because on a stressful day, I want to relax. I want to be able to look at something to, to relax. And I walked away. It was like $8,000, I think. I walked away. <laughs> I had no business buying an $8,000 painting. Well, I mean, in payments, I guess what, it's $100 a month, right? I mean, come on. That's how I was rationalizing it. Don't judge me. <laughs> it's an investment, exactly. <laughs> it's an investment in my health. <laughs> Because we're all thinking, what can I do to snap out of the gloom? What can I do to focus on something more hopeful than what I'm going through? Because sometimes life can just be very dark and, and, and dreary. And so this series is called Painting a Bright Future. And I hope as we dig into the Bible, we're going to look at a passage from Isaiah 9, learning more about what Christmas is all about. The bright future begins to emerge. And here's what we discover in the Scripture. God paints a bright future for his people. I invite you to take out this listening guide. Whenever we read scripture, we, we, this is true. God is painting a bright future for his people. Through the pages of scripture. Through, through even the, 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 the human authors that God had communicate. Uh, you know, he would speak to these authors, prophets, or he would speak to leaders who would write letters. And, and these inspired works of Scripture, this would 
lift our eyes above the darkness and allow us to see something that we wanted to experience. And so we're going to look this week at, and, and next week, at Isaiah. Isaiah is an Old Testament prophetic book. We're going to look at two passages. The prophets, Isaiah was a prophet. The prophets were people who were chosen by God to carry out a specific assignment. And they would often warn people. They would tell people, here's, here's how God is like, or here's who God is. And they would reveal the nature of God, the character of God. They would express the laws of God. They'd make his, his laws known. They would call people to return to God and repent of their ways. They would preach sometimes very cutting messages to try to cut people at the heart level. They would, uh, the prophets would warn people that if they didn't turn around from doing life the way they were doing it, that they were going to experience some severe consequences and judgment. Oftentimes the prophets would foretell. They would foretell future events. They would foretell future people that were coming. Uh, so you have like the passage we're looking at, a prophet about the Messiah, the Savior. And in a way, the prophets were like artists. Because they're, 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 they're painting a, a picture with their message that would stick in people's minds, the listeners' minds, of what God was doing right now or what he was about to do or what he would promise, what he'd promise to do to them someday in the future. And so these messages would be imprinted on people's minds and they would be passed on from generation to generation and generation, giving people hope. This one in Isaiah 9, it's, it begins to reveal, it paints a picture, a vivid picture of the identity of our Savior. And at the time it was written, God's people, specifically the citizens living in the far northern region of Israel, were in a distinct time of gloom and anguish. And the two tribes that we're going to read about, the tribe of Zebulun and Naphtali, there's 12 tribes of the people of Israel. And these two twelve tribes in the far north, they're tribal names for people who lived in a certain region, and for them it was just it was doom and gloom because they had been taken captive by the Assyrians in seven twenty two BC. And the Assyrians came in and they dominated them, they enslaved them, they terrorized them, and even began to deport groups of people to a far off land. And so any positive news that would come to them would have been welcomed. And so that's the context. So look at Isaiah 9. Uh, we're going to read slowly through verses 1 through 7 and then ask some questions near the end. Isaiah writes, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. Okay, there's, there's hope. No more gloom. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea Along the Jordan. When Isaiah, when Isaiah is talking and he's saying, he will, you know, he humbled this land. He's talking about God. God humbled these, these tribes, these groups of people. In the future, he will honor these people. In the future, he will honor Galilee. The, the region where these tribes were, were located in is the region of Galilee. It's, a, it's an area of the Holy Land that is in the far north. And the region of Galilee, it had been... You know, it, it was called here in this passage, Galilee of Gentiles. That actually was known as a derogatory phrase because it referenced <clears throat> some, it referenced, it highlighted the fact that this group was in the far north and they were on the border of the Gentile kind of uh, perimeter. They, right, right north of them and around them were other um, pagan groups that, uh, and so this group, this area had a, a reputation as being more immoral, more, uh, you know, God's people were mixing their beliefs with other beliefs. 
And and part of it was just where they were situated. They were they were kind of out of sight, out of mind. Jerusalem was far to the north, and Jerusalem was where most of the religious activity happened. This was far to the north. They were out of sight, out of mind. They replaced serving God with with superstition. Some of them were worshiping other gods. And in the future, there's going to be a change. So this dark region, it looked like, and even the description here in verse 2, you'll see the way that this region is described. It's, it's been damaged, but there's hope. Isaiah is saying, in the past, God humbled you, but in the future, he will honor you. Something's coming. Something good is coming. God's going to bring something glorious and honorable. And the honor that God would bestow on this region, it tells us something about God's heart for people who are far away from him. Because the honor is going to be tied to Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised, not in Bethlehem. Do you know where he was raised? He was raised in Nazareth. Okay, Nazareth is right there in the region of Galilee, right near these tribes. Right in the middle of this very dark place, God himself takes up residence and is is raised. The God of the universe. He made a huge statement by going and growing up in this region. And that tells us something. God loves irreligious people who are far from him and goes to great lengths to connect with him or with them. Jesus got a lot of criticism in his life because he would connect with the with the morally questionable people in the world and he took a lot of hits publicly because of you know he would he would hang out with people he liked people who were nothing like him and it turns out this is the group of people he grew up around and this is the great news of christmas no matter how far away you might feel from god or how how you know i'm just too out of reach you know jesus he reaches out to include us look at verse 2 verse 2 the people walking in darkness that that region in the north have seen a great light on those living in the, lad- in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. This is referring to Jesus. Let the language kind of sink in. God's shining a light into a dark region. It's dark relationally. It's dark financially. It's dark morally. It's dark spiritually. And Jesus bursts onto the world scene right there in the land, he says, of the shadow of death. That's what this region was you know, known for, called Death has cast a chilly shade over that part of the world. And Jesus is the great light who steps into the world to bring life. Now this, this is why lights, Christmas lights, are such a big deal. You know, this time we get excited about seeing big displays of, of Christmas lights. There's a history behind Christmas lights. The history, the custom goes back to when Christmas trees were decorated by candles, symbolizing the fact that Jesus was the light of the world. And so when we see Christmas lights, these massive displays, it's more than just, you know, a, a impressive display in competition with our neighbors. You know, the, the, the display of light ought to remind us that Jesus, he lit up a very cold and dark region of this planet. And he still does that. Verse 3 says, You have enlarged the nation. And increase their joy. Isaiah speaking about what the Lord has done. You've, in, you've enlarged this nation. You've increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As men rejoice when dividing the plunder. He's talking about what, what's going to happen through Jesus stepping into the world in this region. When this happens. Now this is over 700 years before Jesus is born. 
So you got to imagine these people who've been dominated by an outside invader. They're they're like, what is he talking about? I, I hope to experience. We hope to be honored again. We hope to to have light like this. We hope to experience this great light. Isaiah is saying, God's going to do this in your midst. The light of Christ is going to bring joy. The kind of joy that you experience when you have a major harvest. If you're a farmer, you know, and you're living in an agricultural society, then harvest time is the time of celebration. Isaiah, he's saying, you know what it's like to have a celebration. This is going to be better than that. Or when you win a major victory in battle, they understand what that meant as well. Then verse 4, he points this out. He points to a miraculous deliverance in their history. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, this was another invading enemy in the past, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. This, this great news is going gonna, gonna to be just like what, what happened in Midian's, when Midian invaded Israel. Because the day of Midian's defeat just refers to a battle where God helped a man named Gideon lead Israel to defeat their enemy without fighting. It was a miraculous victory. God stepped in supernaturally. You can read about that in the book of Judges. But this is in their history. We, we've seen God deliver us in the past. Isaiah is saying, you're going to see something like this happen again. Verse 5. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Now this passage is actually it's looking past just Jesus breaking onto the scene and living, but it's looking towards Jesus's, it's looking forward, far forward to the reign of Jesus. In his kingdom, there will be no more war. There will be a time of peace. And, and so there's not going to be any need for armor. So the boots, you can throw away the boots. You can, you can get rid of these, these old things from the past when we were fighting. He's saying it's all going to be burned up. In this kingdom, that the king that's coming, is going to, this is going to be brand new. And so Isaiah, he's painting a picture. The people who are living in darkness, the lights start coming on. They start getting hope. God's blessing increases for those who make Jesus king. We see this in verses 6 and 7. But this... this Jesus comes as the king. And his rule... It, for those of us who yield our lives to him, his blessing, his, as we yield more and more, we experience more, more good from the peace that he brings. We, we experience more joy. That blessing increases for those of us who make Christ Jesus king. And here's the reason for the joy, verses 6 and 7. And this is, this is kind of the thing, everything is building in this passage until this verse Towards this verse, verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In paintings, many times the artist, they try to draw our eye to a focal point in the picture, and there's details all through a painting, but they're intending to kind of lead your eye to rest and stay focused on what is most important. And in the passage, in this passage in Isaiah 9, and in the entire Bible, the child who is born is the focal point of the painting. He's the focal point of human history. Jesus is the person on whom all history t turns towards the good, towards 
the positive, the prophet, he first begins in Isaiah by painting a panoramic view of the landscape of this dark region of the world where Jesus came from. But then he draws our eye in verse 6 to become fixed on Jesus who is born. Now Christmas, the celebration of his birth, will continue to draw our eyes towards Christ because he is, he is you know, unlike any other. The government, it says, will be on his shoulders. This really isn't not, it's not a reference to how Jesus is going to come and restore or renew world governments that we know. No, instead, he's going to establish an eternal rule and his kingdom will be an eternal kingdom. And then there's these four descriptive names that reveal his character. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, this child, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I mean, these are things that we, we want. And if you're a group of people in a very dark, dark town, this gives you hope. This passage like, wow, God would look to us and light up our lives in our region and bring this to us. And he goes on to describe what it would be like under this king's rule, King Jesus' rule. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is Isaiah's word to God's people. This is going to happen. No, no more just doom and gloom. This is coming. This is 700 years. Now, when they hear this, there's still generations and generations and generations before this is accomplished. But this message was passed on, and, and, and some people were waiting for the fulfillment of this passage. And when Jesus burst onto the scene, they said, we've been waiting. This is the one that was promised. And if you decide to make Jesus your Lord or your King, then you, you experience this type of peace. In, in heaven, the peace, knowing the Prince of Peace... In heaven, that peace will be unending without any threat to it. I can't imagine what that's going to feel like. To have the Prince of Peace ruling all the time with no threat to it. In heaven, that's, that's what it will be like. Peace unending. Here on earth, here and now, you can still experience peace. But it's a peace in the midst of storms and trouble and darkness. But there is peace. And so many of you have found this to be true. He comes into your life and he brings peace to carry us through it. And he gets us through it. He, he keeps us moving forward. And we can pass on this hope from generation to generation. I, I, I'm longing for the day where, you know, I, I want to be with him. The older I get, the more the reality of heaven and the hope of heaven, it grows in me. Um, but in the meantime, I, I, my job and your job, if Christ is your king, is to take this hopeful message that's been painted and pass that on to the next generation. And to live in light of this reality. It is coming. It will come. God will bring it to pass. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God will not be stopped. And when I repent of my sin, when you repent of your sin, you accept Jesus' death on the cross as payment for our sin, you have peace with God. And you have forgiveness that's offered to you. And you begin to experience a taste of heaven as you surrender to His rule in each situation that you face. 
And the joy of his kingdom, it increases more and more as you surrender to his lordship more and more. As you bring your life, if you've become a Christian, you've, you've brought your life under his rule. You said, I want you to lead my life. I want you to be the leader of my life, the, the Lord, the king, the boss of my life. You, you bring your life under his rule. But we're still tempted to hold parts of ourselves back and say, eh, that's kind of mine. I'll, I'll. And so part of what we're highlighting, what I want to highlight is maybe the, what, is, what is being held back? The, in, the scripture says the increase of his government you know, will, will have no end. And, and the reality is in our lives, the longer you walk with him, the hope is that you would yield more of your life to him so that there be an ever-increasing yielding and then you experience an ever-increasing blessing of, of what that does in your relationships, in your life. Um, I want you to consider these two questions as we kind of wrestle a little further through this. What are the major sources of gloom that you need to trade for joy? If you're, if you're in the northern part of the land, like I mentioned... You're 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 under you're under terror. They're living under sheer terror, fear. When am I going to be deported, or am I? When am I going to? I'm mistreated. Am I going to make it? But what what is that for you? What is the gloom that you're currently facing? I want to encourage you to think through what is that. Maybe it's the violence you see in the world, and you're just like having a hard time shutting that off, or you're shutting that out, and, and focusing on something else. Or maybe it's conflict around you, and it's just really starting to get at you, and you're could be that you're dealing with some depression or you're just feeling like you're slipping into despair on some level. This dark cloud has kind of, it's overhead and, and you just, you sense there's something I need to break free. It could be that it's just a part of the world that we're in and you're personally, it's, it's really impacting you. There is only one gift this Christmas that can really help with that and it's the gift of Jesus Christ. Because all the celebrations of this season, you know, the, the decor, is, it will eventually come down. The tree will dry up. The gifts will break and tarnish. That's a little depressing. Because some of us, we're still got a lot of shopping to do. And we know they're going to break. <laughs> yeah, God, He doesn't want Jesus to be a seasonal decoration. He doesn't want us, oh, just let's bring Jesus, let's dust off the Jesus. Let's put them in our house and dust them off. And he looks so sweet. Let's, you know, let's, let's. No, he has come into this world to lead you and lift you from the gloom from now on. Another question. What area of your life needs to come under his rule? If he's king, what area of your life are you battling in your, in your relationships? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you're battling in your parenting. Maybe in regards to your future. How, Maybe you're haunted by your past and it's just weighing you down. And How do you face the gloom? How do you cope with it? Do you try, oh, I'm just going to focus on positive thoughts? Do you buy expensive art, go on magical vacations? Yeah, I'll feel better. I sometimes think, oh, this will help. I just need to get to the vacation. Do you turn to a friend for help? Do you keep, you keep yourself busy so you don't have to think about the problems in your life? All of these different things, they're band-aids for a moment. But ultimately, these are temporary fixes. And if this passage were a headline, its words are full of hope. The good news is that today you can invite Jesus to come into your life. If you're not yet a Christ follower, you can invite Jesus to come into your life 
and ask Him to lift you out of the gloom. If you are a Christ follower, then you can focus on Him here and now and decide, I, I need to battle. I don't need, just need to let these thoughts keep swirling. I need a strategy that will anchor me and fix my thoughts on the right focal point here and now. Not just in this season, but here and now as I do this through my life. It's a struggle to fight and battle what's going on in our minds, but with His help we can. I want to pray, and if you're here today and you are not yet a Christ follower, and and you but you you are you sense God has been drawing you into a relationship with Him, and you're ready to respond to Jesus. Then I, I would love to lead you in a prayer where you can invite Him to come into your life and become the the King in your life. It's not just enough to know about Jesus if He's outside, but He wants to live inside of us and He wants to rule us at the core of who we are. And so if you've never yielded your way to Him, but you're ready to do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer and I'm going to invite you to just pray along with me. And so feel free, let's all just bow our heads and let's pray. And for those that are here that, are, that would like to yield their lives to Jesus Christ and to become a Christian, you can just pray this along with me. Jesus, I believe that You are the Son of God who came in the flesh and You lived a perfect life. And I admit that I am a sinner and my sin has separated me from, from God the Father. I do wrong. And, and you die. You came to earth and you died to pay for my sin. And since you are God, you defeated death. You defeated uh, the grave. And you rose from the dead. You conquered sin and death. And you raised me to new life. And I, I want you to lead my life. I receive you into my life right now. Jesus, your death was once and for all. You paid the penalty for all of my sin, the past, present, and the future. Your death was sufficient once and for all. I accept you into my life today, and I ask you to lead my life from now on as king. Would you rule every area of my life? Lord, help me to see more and more areas to yield over to you in the days ahead. But I just right now, I say, you're the boss. You lead my life from this point forward. I accept you today. I'm ready to experience the abundant life, the eternal life. And I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In his name we pray. Amen. For those of you that are you, you follow Christ and, and you recognize that this season is really a time to worship Him and reflect on Him, but you recognize that there's gloom and it's capturing your attention too much. And you just say, I need to direct my eyes to the focal point of Jesus. Then maybe this week, just begin to pray. God, help me to see you in the midst of this darkness, this season. Help me to focus on you and not be distracted and, and in dismay. Help me to focus on you. So there's a few next steps that you'll notice. The first one, for the first time, if this is you, for the first time I accept Jesus as my Savior and commit to follow Him as Lord. If you pray that prayer with me for the first time, then on this card, on the very back side of this card, if you did that, that's the most important decision you could ever make. And we want to celebrate that with you on the back. It says, I'd like, to, I'd like more info about following Jesus. You can check that box. We'll follow up with you. We'll send you some information. And we want to help you uh, get established in a new relationship with Christ. And so we will uh, touch base with you this week. And so you can check that box. 
following Jesus, then we'll know what that means. If these other uh, next steps, the next one is attend this series and invite a friend. If there's someone that God's put you on your heart to, to bring to OCC, then I would encourage you to do that in the next few weeks. We've got some great plans in store for this, uh, all of these uh, services this season. And then finally, pray and ask Jesus for help with a specific gloom I'm dealing with. If there's something you would identify as robbing you of joy, uh, would you surrender that to Jesus? Thanks for being here. We're going to close in just a few moments. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.